0: morning the title of the sermon is the church has left a building may sound like a weird title to you but uh, I don't think the church does a whole lot in a church building just personally I, 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 there's a part of me I'm just going to be can I be transparent and honest and blunt with you today because like I'm normally not <laughs> there's a part of me that wishes we didn't even have a church building And I know some of you have given your heart and soul over the years. Bob, 35 plus years, right? Pushing 40 years. The congregation's been in Mission Viejo, if I remember reading, because you shared a history of the church not long ago. And we have, I mean, literally, there's some people sitting in this room right now who have given so much to make this place a reality. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But sometimes I wonder where the church would be today worldwide if we didn't meet in church buildings. I got tickled, we were talking um, about debt this morning and, and uh, one of the brothers, a former elder who has very white hair, I won't call his name, but he has very white hair and he's sitting by a beautiful wife back here. He came up to me afterwards and Chuck, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call your name. <laughs> but, but Chuck said, you know, what if the church didn't have the debt that we have? And I'm like, amen, what if we didn't have the debt? That we have—it's only 1.8 million. That's not bad from what it used to be. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> perfect timing. God has perfect timing. You know, it, it is amazing though if you can think about it, because to service that debt, we spend uh, 10 grand a month. Got a note this morning from a gentleman who's in the Philippines. Am I remembering this right? Who's wanting some World Bible School literature? Where's Gary? And his wife. There they are. Yeah, I was looking for you. Sorry. And it's going to cost 200 bucks a month to make sure that he gets literature. And the question to me was very politely, "How's the church budget? Can we afford 200 bucks a month?" And even if the church budget can't, I will. I can tell you that because the brother needs $200 worth of supplies in World Bible School, and we'll make sure he gets it every month. But what if we had another 10 grand free? Wouldn't that be exciting? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All we need are checks. Make them payable too. Isn't that exciting? That's all it takes is money. There are a lot of ways to pay off debt. We'll talk about that on another day. That's not the sermon. But I want you to realize that you and I can do so much outside of this building. That we cannot do in this building. Several of you were with us last week. I got to watch this, the uh, sur- the service on live stream, and I, I, I just got my hats off to those of you in the booth back here because you're doing phenomenal work with the whole live stream thing. It was great. The music sounded wonderful. The birds or whatever those mics are that come down from the ceiling, they picked up the music great. It really, really is a wonderful experience. If you're ever homesick, and you want to be a part of the service, watch live stream. Don't stay home and watch live stream just because you want to watch the football game that comes on really quick. But uh, live stream is working great. We're excited for that. But I want to I want to talk with you a little bit this morning because Javon gave a great sermon last week about the importance of going into the world and going out and sharing the gospel and talking with people. And so I want to put some practical foundation and practical. Perspective underneath that a little bit to support what he shared with us last week because the, oftentimes we'll talk about going. We'll talk about going. We'll talk about going. And we wonder what going looks like. And we wonder what going feels like. And I want to share this with you this morning to just give a little bit of an insight as to what it might actually feel like because it isn't as hard and it isn't nearly as complicated as we like to make it out to be. We as people in the church are we're masters at making things complicated and difficult. We learned it from the Pharisees. They made it super difficult to be Jews and that just kinda has carried over and and we just do that to ourselves. I mean look at how simple the Constitution of the United States is. It's only a one-page document. That's a big page, but it's a one-page document. But look at how many volumes of books the code of the United States government now fills up, and that's just the federal code, not even to mention the state codes. That's how much we have made things complex. And we do the same thing in the church. We make it more complex than it needs to be. There are really only four. There's a fourfold vision that the book of Acts gives us with respect to going into all the world, and it's very simple. He talks about teaching, having fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things that he talks about And that really is the foundation of how God wants us to go into all of the world. He didn't tell us to go into all of the world, get a Bible, get a podium, stand on the street corners and preach. He didn't say that. If you look at the earliest days of the church, they just went. And wherever it is that they happened to be going... They talked with people about Jesus and guess what they did? They shared a little bit. They taught them occasionally. They had fellowship with them. They broke a little bread. They had prayer time with people. That's all they did. They just kind of shared their life. But in order to do that, to build in that relationship and to grow in that knowledge, and to me, the most important part of all of that is the fellowship. That's why I put it in the top right-hand quadrant. If any of you know anything about frameworks and all that kind of fun stuff, that's why I did it. Because prayer is kind of the foundational point Teaching is a higher level of knowledge, but breaking bread and fellowship, that's the ultimate. Because I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of guys that teach, a lot of men and women that teach in seminaries all over the world, and did you know that some of them are atheists, they don't even believe in God, but they teach Bible. Isn't that exciting? They don't believe in Jesus, and they don't believe in the resurrection, but they teach in the New Testament, and they teach Old Testament, and they don't even believe what they teach, but they're really, really good at knowledge. And they're good at teaching. But they never grasp the fellowship side of this thing. So you and I have to have an awareness of who we are. In the very, very beginning, we have to realize who we are. Everyone in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts in chapter four or in chapter 2, verse 43, it says that they were filled with awe. Now here's a question for you, and you, I don't want you to raise your hands. You don't have to stand up and, and, and show everyone. But when is the last time that you were filled with awe? About anything that happened in the church. When was the last time you were filled with awe when you experienced something in the name of Christ? Ben raised his hand last Sunday. That was pretty cool. I watched you baptize your daughter. That was way cool. And I saw Sarah, Danny baptize Sarah. That was way cool. That was really, really cool. Did that fill you with awe? Does it make you want to come back for more? Does it make you want to see that more often? Does it make you have any greater desire to be a part of this family when you see things like that, when you experience things like that? You also, though, have to have a social awareness because it's not just about feeling good about you. It's about all of those who are around you. So look what the book of Acts says in chapter 2. The believers were together and they had everything in common. They gave to those who had need. They continued to meet together. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together. People in the first century who were responsible for the growth of the church understood the community in which they lived and they engaged in the community where they were. I have an expression that I use for fun sometimes and it goes something like this. Wherever I go, that's where I am. And I want you to listen to me again when I say that. Wherever I go, that's where I am. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people go a lot of places, but they're never really where they are because they're never really present wherever it is that they are. They're there physically, but emotionally, spiritually, they checked out and they didn't even show up. Have you ever had a conversation with someone or or was trying to have a conversation with someone and you're talking with them and you can tell they're not paying any attention to you? Husbands, has that happened to you lately? Wives, have you experienced that? Parents with your children? Children with your parents? Have you looked at them and tried to tell them something and they just glaze over and they're or they're watching TV or something? Does that happen in your world? How about at work? How about just standing in line at the grocery store? Have you ever walked up to the checkout? And you make the statement, how are you today? Have you ever done that? Do you really care? I mean, honestly, do you really care how they are? Is it just one of those things that you say? Because Sometimes people start telling you how they really are, and then you wish you'd never asked the question. But awareness of people who we are constantly around is important, and the only way to be aware of them is to truly be present in the moment that you have right now. That's the only way. As you're sitting and listening or sitting and talking or standing and talking or standing and listening, you can't be thinking miles away or thinking ahead in the conversation because if you do, you miss opportunity. Awareness is huge. The earliest days of the church was filled with people who went into a community with a distinct purpose To be aware of those that they were around. They also had an emotional state that was pretty cool. They had uh, glad and sincere hearts and they were praising God and they were enjoying the favor of all the people. So do you have a glad heart? Are you filled with joy? Are you filled with happiness? Are you filled with contentment in Christ? Is there anything about your life, anything about your experience that would cause you to praise God? even when you're outside of the doors of the building. It's interesting. When you, when you take the time to really listen to people, it's interesting what they say. You know as well as I do, because I've told you stories before, but I'm just crazy enough to talk to anybody. But some of the people that I talk to more often than not are people who are standing on the street corner or staying in front of a little restaurant or standing somewhere and they're flying a sign or you can just tell that they need something and they're homeless or they don't have food or whatever. And you know, invariably, when I have taking the time to talk with them, when I spend a few minutes with them, you know, almost always, almost always, the conversation ends with them saying something to me that goes like this. God bless you. Now, how is it that the dude that's living on the street who slept under a a bridge last night, how is it that that guy can look at me and say, as I'm leaving the conversation, God bless you, And you and I who live in who knows where all and do what all and have all of the things that we have are afraid to bring God into conversations. Why is it that the person with so little can bring God into so much? And those of us who have so much oftentimes fail to recognize His presence in all that we have. Where is God in your conversation? Where is your emotional state? And how do you feel? And what are you thinking? And what are you expecting to say when you walk out into the world, when you leave this building, and you go wherever it is that you're going to (coughs) go? And the result of all of that was the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved daily. How does that happen? How does the Lord add to the church daily? I didn't hear you. Obeying the gospel. but the gospel. But the, 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 you're exactly right, James. The only way that, that that could happen is how? Somebody, somewhere, has to say something to someone. You remember the old, uh, who was it? Abbott and Costello, who's on first? You remember that? I can't quote it. I'm not even going to try. I wouldn't even try reading it because I'd probably laugh and mess it up and it wouldn't be worth it. But who's on first? Who among us, who among us is willing to be on first? Who's willing to take the first step? Who among us is willing to express God in our lives, to express the joy, to express why we are who we are? Who among us is willing to tell somebody in the world something about what it is that makes us tick? So how did all this happen? How did all of this growth happen in the earliest days of the church? Here's the list. They were devoted and committed to teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, knowing the deeds of the neighbors, continuing to meet together. They shared meals and homes. They continually praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all of the people. That's how they did it. But you know what really made all of this happen? They owned it. They owned their personal level of involvement in taking the name of Jesus into the world. I shared a few weeks ago with one of the brothers here that I was going to preach on Corinthians. I haven't got there yet, but it's coming. I promise. I promise it's coming. In just a few weeks, we're going to start Corinthians. And so I've been reading the book. And one of the things that just jumped off the page at me the other day when I was reading through the book of 1 Corinthians was the statement that Paul made when he says, I hadn't been sent to baptize anybody. Any of you remember that? I don't remember the book chapter and verse, but it's in 1 Corinthians between 1 and 15 somewhere. Paul said, I wouldn't send to baptize anybody. I think I baptized you and you, but I don't remember anyone else. Oh, by the way, I think I baptized that little family too. That's my 21st century paraphrase. But i got to be honest with you. In our fellowship of the churches of Christ, you know what we went out to do? We went out to baptize people. I want you to think about the history of our church. We went out to baptize people. What did Paul say he went to do? I want to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now as a result of knowing Him, there is a progression that happens. I get all that. But he didn't go out with a message of baptism. He went out with a message of who is Jesus. He went out with a message of this person, Jesus, this one whom, whom you've heard about, this one whom you've seen, this one that you see is, is turning the world upside down on its head. This is the one who came into the world and he lived such an amazing life that God allowed him to die on a cross so that you can have all of your sins forgiven because you know as well as I know that you have sin and all you have to do is believe Him. Believe Him. And when you believe He is who He is, then we're going to take you just like Brother James back here just alluded to, then we're going to take you and we're going to allow you to show the whole world that you believe in Him. And we're going to let you die to the world. And we're going to put you in this watery grave we call baptism so that you can have a new life to live in Christ. And they were devoted to that. And they were committed to that. And they gave themselves to that. They owned that conversation. They owned their own personal level of involvement. They owned their attention to other people, both believers and non-believers. Think about this with me just a minute. How many people... How many people are you actively engaged with on a weekly basis that are not Christians? How many? And if you can't think of very many, then pray tell, help me understand how the Lord can add to the church daily. You get what I'm saying? If all you ever do is hang out with folk that look like us, Guess how much the church is going to grow? Uh, Zero. Because we're all here. We're already here. We're already believers. And I get fellowship with one another. I like it. I asked Lynn this morning driving in here, I said, Do you want to go out to eat with somebody today? She said, I don't know. She said, It all depends. And I'm like, Great. If anybody wants to go out and eat after I finish today, let me know. We'll go out and eat. It'll be fun. But when we go out and eat together, even as brothers and sisters, there are people all around us. They don't know Jesus. They don't know Him. You and I have a responsibility to begin to engage in those individuals' lives so that they can come to know Him. They were focused on their own devotion. Back at the very beginning of this, I didn't spend much time with it, but back at the very beginning of this passage in Acts 2, it says, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and the fellowship and the prayer. What does it mean to be devoted to something? (coughs) Some of you have been married longer than me. Some of you haven't been. Come next June the 9th, 40 years. That's 4-0, 40 That's a long time in some people's worlds. That's a really long time in my world. It is. It's a long time. But some of you have been married 50 years and longer. And I'm anxious for that. Lynn's going to have a birthday in not too long. And she keeps asking me, do I need to color my hair? And I'm like, woman, I've been waiting a long time to be married to an old gray-headed lady. I didn't say it exactly like that, but close. I don't mind the gray hair. I have literally been longing for the days that I could sit by her and she has gray hair. Because I knew if that happened, I've had a pretty amazing life. You get where I'm coming from? That's called devotion. That's devotion. So how devoted are you to Christ? I mean, think about this with me just a minute. How truly devoted are you to Jesus? When you leave this building, when you talk to anybody about anything, is there any part of Jesus that comes through in that conversation? Is there at least a God bless when you depart from their presence? Is there anything about God in there? That's devotion. I think the Dodgers won last night. Is that right? Who clapped? You. I just have a question. Is it possible? Is it even remotely possible that we could get as excited about sharing Jesus as we get with the Dodgers going to the World Series? Is that even remotely possible? <coughs> Lynn and I spent the weekend and. Phoenix went to a seminar they call it Grow Seminar, Grow Summit. It was cool. Personal development thing was really good. They had some great speakers and heard some nice folks. But there were a thousand people in the big room at the Arizona Grand Resort, beautiful resort. Thousand people and every morning at 9 o'clock when they opened the doors There were a thousand people, and the open doors staggered so everybody didn't rush in all at once and kill each other. But every morning at 9 o'clock when the doors came open, there was this music playing, and it was loud music, and it was exciting music, and it would make you want to clap your hands, and you could not sit in your seat. You just couldn't stay in your seat. You had to get up. You had to clap. You had to jump up and down. They were doing this, and they were doing all kinds of stuff, and I learned how to do this, and I didn't know how to do this until yesterday. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm wondering, how in the world do we ever get a church to wake up like that? Why is it, why is it that we can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on sporting events and things that make us feel rah rah ree, kick them in the knee. Why can we do that? And we come in here and it's like, oh, leave your emotions outside. Don't let anyone know you're happy. Come in here and be solemn, please. Just sit down and shut up. I'll be done in a few minutes. And I'm I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but not very much. We don't usually tell you to sit down and shut up, but your faces look like we just told you to do that. (laughs) Guys, I want you to realize that there is so much more about being in Christ than showing up in a church building. And none of it happens in here. It happens out there where people are. But we have to be devoted to that. We have to own that devotion. So my question to you is, how much are you devoted to Christ? I mean, truly, how much are you devoted to Him? Does He come out? Does it just kind of ooze out when you're out there in the world? We've got to own our own actions. We've got to own our own attitudes. Some of you don't like coming to church very much. Well, whose fault is that anyway? Whose fault is that? Is it mine? I don't think so. I don't think so. I try to give you everything I got when I get here on Sunday mornings. And when I leave here, I'm pretty tired. There's a couch waiting on me. And I usually find it with a pillow in a football game this time of year. And I sleep through it all. And I don't even care who's playing. I sleep through them all equally. But guys, I'm telling you, we have got to get committed to the devotion that we're supposed to have for Jesus. And it doesn't just happen in here. Brandon does the best that he can to lead singing every Sunday. He does the best that he can. Aaron does the best he can when he does his announcements. And where'd the kid go that read the scripture? He left. Oh, there he is. Dude, was he excited or what? He's jumping off the stage. Amen is right. And Ray tried. He tried. He, he can't jump that far. All I want you to think about with me, guys, is the church has got to leave the building with devotion and commitment to the name of Jesus. Not just to baptize a bunch of people, but to Jesus, because it's Jesus that changes them. It's Jesus that gives them hope. It's Jesus that gives them purpose. It's Jesus that gives them forgiveness of sins so that they don't have to feel horrible about themselves thinking, oh man, what a crappy life I have. That's what devotion to Jesus is all about. So I just want to know if the church has left the building. Can the church leave the building? When you leave here week after week after week can you take Jesus with you? I don't need you to have the ability to sit down and do Bible studies. You don't have to do that. You has got to be Jesus around other people. Because if they see you and they smell you And they like what they smell about you, they will want to be around you. And they will want to have what you have. And they're going to say, Where do you get this stuff? And this this crazy guy Ed, he's preaching on Sunday. Come and listen to it. You remember the lady that Jesus met at the well, the Samaritan woman? Do you remember her? When she went back home, what did she say? When she went into town and she starts talking to all her friends, what did she tell them? Did she sit down and start opening the scrolls and present to them the reason that the prophecy has been fulfilled and we are worshiping in the wrong place and we're using the wrong kind of music? And oh, by the way, we're... No! All she said to them was, "Hey, Hey, come over here and let me show you this dude. Come over here and look at what I found. That's all she said. But she saw Jesus. And when she saw Jesus, she could not help herself but to go home and tell all these other people, hey, 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 come over here, look at this. Jesus and our devotion to him is what brings us life. Church needs to leave the building. Church needs to leave the building. And when you leave the building, take Jesus with you. I want to invite you to stand and sing this next song with us. Brandon's going to come and lead us. And as we sing this song, I invite you to think about your walk with Christ. And really and truly recognize that when you leave here, you can actually take Jesus with you today. And you can have fun doing it. And you can share the message with somebody else. If we need to help you in prayer, come and let us pray with you. If you're afraid to do this stuff, we can help you get over your fear. We can. We can show you how to do it if you don't know how to do it. We'll help you do that. If you've been in this church long enough and you want to be a part of the family, just like our friends right over here, join the church. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, right here's a baptister. We had two last week that were baptized. There could be three or four more in here this morning. We'll wait. We're getting out earlier today than we did last week, but we'll wait. I hope you don't mind waiting. Let's sing this song and encourage one another.